Welcome to the Broadcast Sport podcast. For this episode, we spoke to Social Bull co-founders Scott Lavelle and Jack Beetlestone about creating online channels from scratch for athletes and rights holders. In particular, their success working with snooker legend Stephen Hendry to create his Q-Tips YouTube channel. First of all, can you tell us a bit about your roles at Social Bull and what the company aims for? We're two of the co-founders of Social Bull Media, which we set up 2020 in lockdown. So, yeah, we're a sort of social video company, mainly sort of making sort of branded content, social videos, uh, podcasts or live streams, a lot of stuff like that. So um, I sort of work on the sort of the, the, the main sort of production side and then Scott is creative mainly, but you can sort of tell, tell you a bit more about that. But yeah, so in terms of um, what we're about to talk about specifically, um, we both just split up the work um, in terms of sort of video and editing and sort of producing and, and sort of attending the shoots. Yeah, so like Jack said, I'm, I'm in charge of creative and we're a social first video company and our backgrounds are in well, digital publishing. So we were at Joe Media um, before and that's where we all met and, and formed as a group. Um, but our backgrounds are in uh, TV as well. So we've got that TV and broadcast knowledge, but now, yeah, uh, transformed into digital digital content which is where we mainly lie today so are you trying to bring uh, broadcast quality production to social content yeah and sort of there's a lot of differences there may be a lot more differences than i thought when i was previously working at sky and sky sports um, and, and i think there's that assumption that you can bring sort of a, a broadcast format and easily make it work on social because you've got that sort of what's perceived as maybe a higher class higher quality version of content um, but through yeah, the, the years of knowledge, we've sort of um, worked out how we can take those formats, um, but, but remake them for, for social and making them engaging for a social audience. And yeah, those people want something very different to when they're watching their TV in the living room in the evening. Or in terms of the sort of production qualities, we try and do bring that to the sort of the social videos. We are using sort of cameras that you would use on on sort of television productions, lighting, sort of audio. We are trying to sort of keep that quality, but just sort of put like a sort of more social aspect on the actual formats themselves. Starting from the beginning, what was the process with creating the idea for Stephen Hendry's Q-tips? There was an element of luck to it, really, um, because we were previously working with Stephen on a, a branded video campaign that we were working on um, for a fairly big brand. Um, and sort of in between film and his manager had come down for the day and, and we're filming um, for another YouTube channel, uh, Tubes and Ange Golf Life, um, which is obviously within the sports space as well. Um, and we'd, we'd literally just begun talking about that and, and how sort of strategies and formulas that we've used in that could actually work for some of his own clients because um, Stephen's manager um, looks after a multitude of sports clients. And we were just, it was literally just a, a passing conversation really about how does how can athletes sort of own their own media? Because I think that seems to be a big thing at the moment. They, obviously, the, there's a lot of stuff about the press and, and the way that athletes may be perceived. And I think a lot of them now want to sort of take charge and take ownership of of their own brands and their own messaging, which is so much easier to do with YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. And, and we just spoke really about what we could what we could do maybe if if yeah for, for Stephen um and maybe not even specifically but yeah um after a couple of weeks I think Stephen's manager came back after that passing conversation and was like what what would that look like what what would you do if you were in charge of that so we, we put together um some thoughts and ideas for what we thought could work for YouTube 
um, and I went away and looked at the snooker space really um, because obviously th there's not a lot on YouTube and we won't like, claim to be snooker experts or at, at the point of when we, we started this journey. Um, but we, we went away, had a look at what was out there and we found that there was, there was an audience that really wanted like great snooker content and, and were hungry for something. Um, but there weren't necessarily the, the channels or the content out there that works. So we, we, that's when we began to get excited because we were like, okay, cool. There's, there's potential for views here. There's, there's an engaged audience that if you love snooker, you really love your snooker, but we just need some good content. So that's where sort of social ball wears. So we want to create high quality content that works for social was perfect. And then, and then you can throw someone like I'm a seven time world champion and Stephen Hendry into the mix. And then, yeah, it becomes a lot easier to, to hopefully build a great, great snooker channel. Is that the usual process? It, do, it does sort of vary. I think for us, like Scott says, there was a bit of luck. It was sort of just a bit of a perfect storm. This one, like we were looking to create sort of more original content and Stephen and his manager were already creating one minute sort of Instagram formats of what almost like what we do now, but we just now increased the sort of length and the sort of production quality for YouTube. So they had an initial idea and then we was obviously looking to make original content and then this one just happens. But in terms of normal process, it, it it does vary we can obviously we're always in the office sort of pitching sort of new formats or like personalities we think oh that they'd be great to have a youtube channel and obviously now we're doing the stephen hendry q-tips that's just increasing even more which is for us it is really working we're getting a lot of views and then it's now probably just as a, a case of identifying sort of new new sports new sort of maybe more niche sports where we can there is a big audience there with lots of views and sort of hungry fans but maybe not the content that those fans deserve and when you talk about it is that the usual practice i think it's important that we, we try and build something for each each personality because obviously steven's t t uh, targeting an older demographic but what we'll maybe talk about later is actually the, the type of audience that we have actually been getting on the YouTube channel. But I think it, if you would say snooker to someone that doesn't really know, know snooker, it's an older audience. It's maybe slightly stuffy. It's not as interesting. It's slow. It's boring. But we're trying to, we, we felt that the YouTube channel would, was the best option to go down for the sport and the tutorials. But um, I think for athletes trying to build an audience on social, I think it's about finding what's right for you. And YouTube was right for us, but it could have been a podcast. It could have been sticking purely down a short instagram reels through or, or even youtube shorts um but for Stephen, yeah we felt that the long form on youtube was the best way to go yeah and that leads on to how do you decide what kind of content has the best fit for the athlete or rights holder that you're working with with youtube we're sort of learning as we go we we had that sort of month of when the channel first launched sort of two months ago to sort of try new formats and we, we sort of had the, the the basis was we'll do tutorials around snooker sort of how how to game improvements stuff like that which um Stephen was already doing on his instagram which has a lot of sort of followers so that we thought that was a sort of natural progression but then the thing we want, really wanted to do was to do like an interview series essentially a podcast over a few frames of snooker which are proven to be sort of really popular obviously Stephen's got incredible contacts his sort of respect in the game is is, is ridiculous so he can just text someone and then we, we all of a sudden we have a top player ready to interview for, for an hour and we can make a sort of sort of 30 minute sort of interview series about that so that was the sort of two we really wanted to go down and then from there we're sort of we are just sort of trying as we go there isn't really a, a, a blue a blueprint for us it's it's more just we tried a few behind the scenes we've tried to introduce some like celebrities like we had chris hughes on from love island so we're trying to introduce new audiences 
to to the sport and to the channel as well. But yeah, so it's just, it's just sort of learning learn as we go a little bit with that one. Yeah, I think that is the case with the YouTube. You've just got to test those formats and and see what works. Whereas you've got TV where they'll they'll put the months into that one pilot and then put it out and see whether people like it. I think we we're quite lucky as we we're putting out two videos a week at the moment um, and we can put stuff out there and and see what the audience react to. Um, and we've got obviously the YouTube data that comes back and you can quickly find out whether someone loves something or doesn't love it as much um, or how we can tweak formulas so that audiences are staying on our channel and keep coming back to our channel. How does that compare to working with a perhaps more established sport? In that case, is there less experimentation and more looking into what other creators are doing? Yeah, I, I guess that was the, the draw of snooker is that it, it, it wasn't as saturated. So that made it much more exciting for us that we can go out and almost create the blueprint of what snooker content might look like. So that that came from sort of how we're going to film this, where we're positioning cameras and you're almost starting from scratch in terms of, OK, we, we know how they film it on the telly. Um, but OK, how how can we produce something that's a bit more engaging and yeah, re- repositioning cameras? Um, but in terms of how we then approach it for for football, it's, it's such a saturated um, yeah field now that it's so hard for, I guess, new creators trying to get into that space or new athletes. But obviously, Ben Foster's done it quite successfully, but I'm surprised there haven't been more footballers trying to get into the space, especially when you see obviously footballers coming out and saying, oh, this, this story isn't true, that story isn't true. But if they've got that ability to own that, I don't know why they, they wouldn't come out and sort of try and own that OP, IP and try and own the message. It's, it's such a saturated market now. It's, it's hard to have that unique voice, I think, um, for, for people starting out from scratch. You've obviously got the established guys now, but yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I think it's just finding the right personality if you were doing something around football. I think just launching like another fan podcast or another thing would be tough or like a sort of skills-based thing is 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 hard I think because there's so much of that sort of stuff out there but I think that's why Ben Foster has done so well because he's a great personality recognizing the game and I think which we're sort of finding with Stephen Hendry the sort of respect level in in his sport is is massive and and it's just it's, we've only been going sort of two months now and we're sort of we're, we're closing in on sort of six 60,000 subscribers which is which we're, we're really really pleased with so I think football would have been tough but I think doable with the right format and, and personality yeah but yeah so I think that's what I think that's why we're starting to look towards uh, maybe other other uh, niche sports and and trying to find identify areas where there is that sort of market um for uh, social content that's key yeah p- p- personality and and a, a simple great idea. I, I don't think there's a, a better formula for creating a channel, creating something massive. Yeah, great personality, great format. Should be onto a winner. When it comes to that personality, Stephen Hendry comes off as a lovely bloke, so wouldn't think it's a problem. But generally, how do you get that buy-in to put what is quite a lot of time into something that maybe isn't the athlete's top priority? I hope that comes from sort of our excitement of the idea and and us being passionate obviously I think that was one of the things we asked from the day one when we had the first chat with Stephen's manager we were like we like this sounds like a great idea but if if Stephen doesn't want to do this then there's no point because obviously it's going to take a bit of time and we might not be on 60,000 subscribers today or it might there might be a sort of rockier road um to get to where we are today we're lucky that from the go it was pretty good but yeah we've we've had Stephen's buy-in from the beginning but I think half of that was hopefully our excitement and our belief in the idea and, and hope the knowledge we could share and go well we believe this this is the right way to go and we think this is 
this is a great idea and hopefully you're excited by this as well I remember Stephen's manager saying to us as well I think it just this sort of shows what Stephen's like like he was saying like um if Stephen is going to do a YouTube channel he's going to want it to be the best YouTube channel that he can possibly be which is similar to his sort of his sort of snooker mentality he wasn't going to sort of not put in the effort if, if we're going to do it we're going to do it properly and like you see with us we're, we're filming with, with him nearly every week now we're, we're, we're really building up that library of content and there's there's a massive buy-in from from us and 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 Stephen and, and his team and how creatively involved is Stephen yeah I mean I mean Stephen's massively involved in that he's we we come up with generally like a list of sort of titles that we we generally write the title first and think oh this would work well as a YouTube title and then we sort of bring that to Stephen's say what do you think we, we could do this we could we could make like a new um a new format around around this so Stephen's always chucking ideas at us in terms of guests Stephen books every guest and he's always texting the snooker players to to come on the channel and then and from being at the masters this week film and that you could there's definitely a buzz around like the sort of the, the bbc teams and everyone everyone knows about the channel everyone's thinking and telling Stephen and congratulating him on it saying it's, it's great for the game which i think encourages him even more to just to go out and just to really put everything into it we, we interviewed steve davis on sunday which is we've interviewed judd trump a couple of weeks before which all just comes from Stephen, and Stephen watches every video feeds back feedback on it and yeah generally we don't need to give him too much prompting it's just hey Stephen, we'd love to do a video on how to clear up the colors and maybe a couple of other little prompts and then from there he can easily demo and chat to camera for a good sort of 10-15 minutes and then we can obviously cut that up and and, and make it into sort of one of our q-tip videos but yeah, Stevens is heavily heavily involved. On a different note, snooker is seen as possibly having an older audience, maybe a smaller fan base than other sports. So how have you found attracting younger audiences and trying to grow the game? Well, yeah, that, like we were saying, we were surprised by sort of the, through the YouTube analytics and everything we've seen in the back end, that actually that the breadth of, of age groups and obviously probably to be expected with Stephen, he's he's traveled all around the world been world champion multiple times the, the amount of countries that are tuning in and watch him has been amazing but i think it didn't really change our strategy too much because all we've really tried to do is find those great personalities and and give them a platform so the first episode we ever did was with mark williams and it was just sort of giving him the time to be himself i think You'd find him funny, interesting, informative, whether you were my age or 20 years old or up to like 50, 60, um, just because, yeah, he, he's just a, a funny character, very knowledgeable, and it's just relaxing viewing. And I think that was key, really, in just giving these personalities a platform, be able to, to be themselves. And I think that's something similarly we learned from doing the Golf Life channel as well, is if you give these, these footballers or golfers half an hour, 45 minutes, um, where you, they're not, you know they're not going to be edited down. We're going to pretty much we're going to obviously cut up some cameras, but they're going to be able to say what they want for half an hour um, and and bring out and highlight their personality. Then then they'll do half the work for you, really. It's definitely been a pleasant surprise, I think, audience wise. I think looking at our analytics, though, it's it's more the younger people are, are watching our videos, and maybe that says more about about YouTube. But it's definitely it's not sort of sixty plus people watching it there's definitely there is 18 to sort of 40 are really the main engages in, in our videos and and even just from like i said being at the masters this week just looking around the crowd the, the majority are sort of under under 40 i'd say and, and and maybe even sort of like early 30s generally a mix of men and women so i think what we're trying to do is, is trying to change a little bit the perception of the sort of old snooker fan and i think by giving 
sort of more sort of high quality sort of social videos and showing the personalities of the players rather than which I guess they would have done in the 80s maybe that got a little bit a little bit lost but yeah I think just trying to give a platform and and give some insight to um into into, into their lives and actual personalities hopefully is going to be a positive impact on on snooker but also hopefully uh, to encourage people to go to their local snooker club which we've done since we've started the channel we, we hadn't before but like yeah more regularly we'll find ourselves just going to play a bit of snooker and actually it's the perfect thing for people my age younger older um to go and do to just care, go out with a couple of friends um socialize and, and play a bit of snooker so hopefully through our videos they'll take that one tip and actually go and do something with us which i think is the most exciting thing about social video is when you can sort of show something spread a message and then people do something off the back of that video which hopefully our videos do and just following on maybe from a point earlier about about formats one format that Stephen actually did come up with was something called the tough table challenge where he basically put the, the balls in really extremely difficult um positions and then got the sort of top players to to have a go at that and then sort of create a leaderboard about who's who's got the scored the best on the tough table challenge but similar to what Scott was just saying there there's now people on YouTube taking on the tough table challenge and sending them into Stevens we are trying to make a little sort of q-tips community where people can engage and and, and play along at home and send the videos to Stephen and we can respond and Stephen can respond and and this is sort of building like a sort of really good uh, really good sort of feeling really once you have that great content how do you promote it and make sure the right people know where it is well I guess from that perspective we've been obviously lucky that we do have Stephen's existing platforms, whether on his sort of Twitter and Instagram. So, um, and he's always like bought in instantly and, and we'll, we'll share every video to, to increase the sort of the, the views and the, and the sort of subscribers. He'll do regular um, pieces to camera on his Instagram stories, just uh, with, with video links. And we've also, yeah, he's got a couple of hundred thousand on those socials. So initially to bring people in, that was a massive help because we could sort of get up to sort of 10,000 subscribers within the sort of first week, which was a, which was a massive help. And then from there, I think we're sort of just trying to just get the word out there when we're at tournaments. Um, it just keep sending, we, we, we create promotional content for every video, which we give to Stephen to put on his Instagram and, and, and his Twitter. So I think it's just a case of from now we're trying to sort of bring in just the YouTube audience by creating sort of better thumbnails or stronger video, stronger video hooks, just to, encourage people who are just scrolling youtube to to click so we're just yeah we're just refining and just trying to bring bring as many subscribers into the channel as we can but yeah we were very lucky that we obviously had steven's um socials to kick us off to a good start and i'm guessing interviewees can bring their own social followings and fame as well yeah definitely and that's why it's been so nice that the snooker community have bought into it so wholeheartedly because yeah it, it's almost like they they all feel ownership on to make snooker better and put it to a bigger audience so it's almost by sharing it they feel like they can improve the sport so um i think therefore people almost feeling sort of a slight ownership of q-tips to make it as big as possible because the bigger the channel the more people that will go to some snooker matches more money into the game bigger sponsorships and then hopefully everything just becomes a lot bigger so yeah that that community aspect again is really important um to to have that viral effect I think every player has shared it as well. Every player who's been in the interview has has shared it on their sort of Twitter and other pages. We had Judd Trump shared shared our interview the other day, which obviously just keeps bringing people over. So yeah, we've been really lucky that every player has not asked for anything, just happy to share it and and just sort of put, um, sort of help grow the channel. 
And I think, yeah, just having the right personality again as well. Like Stephen's so perfect for it, but for anyone trying to create a, a channel for another athlete, just making sure that you've got that right personality and finding that right tone of voice to be able to grow, grow as quickly as possible really helps. And like you were saying before, a lot of social content and online content is being created directly by athletes and rights holders now. Do you think that's the future and where it where the industry is going towards yeah i don't think it necessarily has to be fronted by them either i think athlete owned production companies um, and maybe networks um, owned by athletes or a, a group of athletes would be amazing to see because yeah everyone wants to have an insight into the changing room or locker room and wants more content than ever um, so yeah, I, th- I think for sure it's going to increase and hopefully we can be a part of that. So we've gone through a lot of the aspects of creating a YouTube channel and working with a rights holder or athlete. Um, what would you say is the main challenges when it comes to setting up from scratch? We've been so lucky for, with Stephen because I think he bought into it so much from the start, but obviously finding time in his, his timetable, because he's also a pundit for ITV and BBC. But I think that's only been a plus because we've been able to get behind the scenes access that maybe we wouldn't have been able to had he not been already on the inside working with ITV and BBC. Um, but that's the only thing I can think of that, that could have been a challenge, but I, I only see that that as a plus. Um, I think maybe it's just um, the, the amount of content, not necessarily been a challenge, but we're just sort of getting to grips with putting two videos out a week, obviously. We are a sort of production company and we have the infrastructure to be able to be able to do that. So it's just like ensuring that we um, every week we are super organized with our content schedule is planned a month ahead. And we know this video is going out Wednesday. This video is going out Sunday. Is that edited? Is the thumbnail done? Is the description done? Is the title done? So it's just a case of just really refining that process, which I think we are. And really getting on on top of and we're, we're happy with i think but i think probably that's the slight challenge is just just the workload of putting two videos out a week but yeah like i said we we have a, a good team and, and we're able to produce sort of two sort of 20 30 minute videos each week and on top of all our other sort of branded content tubes tubes work for example how vital is that it's on a regular schedule twice a week as you said i think for steven i think we spoke about it in the beginning about sort of what type of um, what quantity of video should be putting out a week. Uh, I think because of the hunger that was there from that snooker audience that I mentioned at the start, I felt like we spoke about maybe doing one video a week because of we weren't sure on potential availability. Would we be able to get the guests? I felt like two would be good just to build that library of content as quickly as possible. Obviously we could do three, four, but like I think two felt right to, to allow us to build that library of content and knowing that the audience is wanted to to learn from Stephen. they want to have an interview from Stephen. they they want to hear what he's got to say because he's one of the greatest in the game so that's what felt right for us um at the beginning we might increase or decrease as it goes forward but and if, i think in the first six months at least maybe a year and um, we'll, we'll we'll stick to probably two videos a week but yeah like I say putting in that that team that allows us to be able to do that i think it's been vital to stop stop that burnout because i think you, you hear about it a lot in probably a lot of media industries that it's it's quite relentless but and I think YouTube particularly because because of the so so called YouTube algorithm and it, it wanting you to just continuously feed it content but yeah we've, we've built a workflow now that hopefully works and and yeah would allow us to scale 
If you were to expand the channel further, would you make more of the same content or look to move into new formats? So yeah, I think in the future we'd, we'd look to get into to new formats and new personalities because I think that's what excites us the most, meeting great people because like I said, we, we get so excited every week going to, to see Stephen and see these characters because they're such great and interesting people. And obviously we see companies like the, the Drive to Survive series. I saw your, your story yesterday about the Six Nations series that's going to come and the various other sports that are getting into it. So it may not even necessarily be sports personalities, but I think the key is just providing fans with, with that access, whether it be through leagues and organisations but all personalities, um, but just making sure that, yeah, we as fans are being given the content that we want to watch. To sum up, what would be your advice to a rights holder or individual who's looking to set up a YouTube channel? Um, I, think in terms, I think first question I would just ask is like, like why, why do you want to do that? And like, do you, like, do you really want to do that? Like, like, like we said with Stephen, okay, you, you said you want to create a YouTube channel, like we're just sort of gauging like how much do you actually want to create a YouTube channel? And once we sort of realise, yeah, I really do, then I think that's obviously one of the first ways in, just like actually to have a desire because it is sort of relentless. We're, we're posting sort of two videos nonstop every every week over Christmas. So you need to be sort of really committed for that. So I would just would tell anyone to just really make sure what you want to do and, and have your sort of, niche and i think that probably is a tip just to look at look at niches look at look at sports or formats or entertainments that maybe are, are a little bit underserved so i think niche niche on youtube i feel like works really well whether it's whether it's chess or fishing or something like that just just look look for niches and in terms of more maybe more of a practical tip maybe you could i would just encourage people to find formats that maybe they can bulk film so like when we film a Q-tip, for example, we know we can film a couple in a day, which is sort of weeks worth of content. We're, we're, we're filming sort of three, four, maybe maybe even five of those Q-tips in, in a few hour period. So we'd, yeah, just make life a little bit easy for yourself in terms of that, like look for opportunities where you can where you can film a batch load of content that can work as shorts or it can work as longer form 16 by nine, nine videos. Yeah, I think basically the, the two things we... We did with Stephen sort of after someone's come to you go and look and see what content's already out there um what how can you do it differently and then ask what why would someone care about your content really like if they're going to come like you go on the youtube homepage, there's there's 30 40 50 thumbnails why is someone going to click on yours instead of the premier league or or thogden in terms of the football space or sky sports premier league and um, why is someone going to come to your football channel instead of sky sports because sky sports are doing a pretty good job and then the, the, the second from me would be to similar to what we did with hendry is once you've got that okay someone's going to care just maybe like right 20 30 video title ideas and if you're running out after three or four then maybe you need to go away and, and, and think about what that idea is. But if you can easily write 20, easily write 30, then then there might be some legs in it. And then once you've got those, you can start to refine them and, and look at them. But if you do those two things and, and they're both successes, then you're onto a winner. Thanks for listening to the Broadcast Sport Podcast. You can find more of our content at broadcastnow.co.uk slash broadcast-sport. Meanwhile, make sure to subscribe and we'll see you for the next one.